Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. So a while back, there was this kid, he was about four years old, and he came walking in to the church, and I leaned down, and I'm, I noticed his boots, and I was like, hey man, I really like your boots. And he looked up at me, and he took his boot back, and he went, right into my shin. I said, hey man, don't do that. And then he looked up at me, and he went, right into my shin again. Natural born troublemaker. NBT, nothing but trouble. What do you do do with a person like that? And... All of us have troublemakers in our lives, don't we? We all have people that we don't know uh, what to do with. And this series is all about what to do when you don't know what to do. And David gives us this great prayer, and I hope that you've been praying it. It's in Psalm chapter uh, 25, where he says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. And then he goes, Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. And then he finishes out by saying, all day long, I put my hope in you. So I hope that this month, that's been, the, that's been visible somewhere, either on your mirror or on your desk. For me, it's on my computer. And you've been praying that prayer every single day because we need to know what to do when the road gets rocky and when we hit those rough patches and places in life. And so what do we do with troublemakers? That's what we're going to talk about Today, Jesus is getting ready to send out the 12 disciples, and he knows that not everybody is going to be uh, ready to receive them. He knows that they're going to be met with opposition, and so he prepares the disciples, and he says these words. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And doesn't it feel like in culture today that if you, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's like you're sheep amongst the, the wolves, and he said, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst the wolves And he said, so be as shrewd as snakes and be as harmless as doves. And so he's saying, maintain this strategic balance, this strategic balance between wisdom, shrewd as snakes, and gentleness, gentle as a dove. And then he says, you know, that we are to to love them even in the midst of all of this that's going on. And so... The Bible's pretty clear when it comes to the issue of conflict. When our, when our lives are right with God, conflict is reduced. It says in the book of Proverbs that when people's lives please the Lord, that even their enemies are at peace with them. And I don't know about you, but I've come in contact with people that just really don't like the church. Like they are, uh, they wouldn't say it, but their enemies of the church. They don't like uh, the church. Some don't like 
TC3. Oh, by the way, as we're dealing with troublemakers today, there's no trauma and drama happening in our, in our midst. And so don't hear this through the lens of that. But there are some people that are uh, enemies of the church. They don't, don't like the church. They feel like the church um, uh, isn't doing anything. And so they'll kind of levy these, these uh, assaults against church people. And so if somebody comes against you and they, they say, well, I don't really like TC3, I want you to just look at them and say, oh, you don't, you don't like TC3, that church that just packed 50,000 meals for starving people? You don't like that church that every November gives two or 300 um, Christmas gifts to kids around the world that goes out and packs these boxes to be sent around the world? You don't like those guys? And then they'll go, well, there's plenty of starving people here, and there are plenty of kids here that need Christmas gifts. Then you look at them, and then you go, ah, oh, that must be why they're partnering with Convoy of Hope this November, because they're bringing a, a semi-truck full of groceries down to Stewart, and they're going to be passing out those groceries for free to people that need them. That must be why they're doing that. Oh, you, you don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's why they're helping to underwrite like 4,000 meals for Thanksgiving dinners in East Stewart. Oh, maybe that Christmas thing just jogged my memory. Maybe that's why, again, they're partnering with Convoy Hope of Hope, and, and they're going to send a semi-truck down here to Stewart again that's packed full of about 6,000 toys with a value of over $150,000 that they're gonna give out to kids for Christmas. You don't like that church? You don't like what that church is doing? What do you not like about that? Say that to them. Because if we're doing things that please the Lord, even our enemies have to be at peace with us. But we need, as we move forward, especially with troublemakers, to be to be wise, Jesus was wise, but he was also incredibly gentle. Some people, they find their way into trouble. I am a person who finds my way into trouble. Like, any of you find your way into trouble? Like, you just, okay, good, seven honest people. That's awesome. Some of us, though, like, we're in a phase of our life where we're just natural-born troublemakers. And... A troublemaker in the world is someone that's bent towards darkness, okay? Outside of a relationship with Christ, bent towards darkness. There's trauma and drama around them in every aspect of their life and everywhere they go. They, they seem to come into a room or a scene and they turn it up. Like they take the party to the next level. They take things to a dangerous level. They use their influence to draw people astray they mock correction and they mock righteous living and they refuse to change and they, they then they justify their bad behavior. That's a, that's a troublemaker in the, in the world. They're, they're wrecking balls and they're, they're determined, it seems like, to cause damage. They're never satisfied and they seem to be chasing something uh, that they can't ever seem to find. Now, a troublemaker in the church is a little bit different. A troublemaker in the church wants spiritual authority. They love to be in control. 
they disguise themselves as spiritual authority. They stir up trouble and problems that only they can solve. They lead people astray by stirring up dissension. They, they sow these seeds of discontent along the path. They agitate and they poke soft spots and they, they stir up the, the pot and they divide and they manipulate. They don't want God's will or God's way. They want their will and they want their way. And they use religious jargon as a means of control. That's what a that's what a troublemaker in the church looks like. I've had people come into this church. This happened to me a couple of times, and it's just, I always find it strange that they've literally never seen me before, and they come up, and they, they've, this is two different occasions this has happened to me. Our job, I'm introducing myself. It's like, hey, how you doing? How was church today? Great, great, great. Our job is to, and they say this to me, our job is to help keep pastors humble, so we travel around from church to church. We keep pastors humble. And, I, and I'm like, did you just say that? And then my next question is, is why would you even want that job? And then I'm like, get another job. <laughs> Find another church. Right? There are some people out there that are just committed to causing trouble. And you think about this, and some of us are like, well, this is only an issue for those that are in spiritual leadership and, you know, maybe have influence, and, and so this necessarily doesn't apply to me within the context of the church, but the truth of the matter is that none of us get a free pass, and every single one of us is a spiritual leader. All believers, every single believer is a spiritual leader. The moment that you and I embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we became a spiritual leader to somebody. We, came, we became a spiritual leader in our friendship circle. We became a spiritual leader on the campus of the school that we attend. We became a spiritual leader in our workplace. We became a spiritual leader in our friendship circle because being a Christian is being Christ-like and therefore you and I that have embraced a relationship with Christ, we're to be the best version of Jesus that people could possibly look at. So none of us get a free pass. And the price is sometimes heavy and it's sometimes great. J. Oswald Sanders said it this way in Spiritual Leadership. He said, to aspire to leadership in God's kingdom requires us to be willing to pay a higher price than others are willing to pay. We forgive more. We forget more. We give more. It requires us to pay a higher price. He goes on further to say the toll of true leadership is heavy and the more effective the leadership, the greater the cost. In other words, the greater the challenge. The more that God is using you, the greater the challenge that will be there mounted up against you. If there's no challenge in your life, you might want to start asking yourself some questions because spiritual leaders will always be challenged by challenging people. Because in those moments, there's an opportunity for us to be able to shine and show the difference between a follower of Christ and one who does not. You look at the, the Bible, the book of Judges, I mean, it really gives us a picture of troublemaker after troublemaker after troublemaker, and then it tells us why. The reason is this. 
There was no king, it says in the book of Judges, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's why they were all troublemakers. Now, in culture today, I think it's you know, not a stretch to say that there is a vast majority of people who are doing what is right in their own eyes, right? So troublemakers are everywhere in today's culture. A troublemaker is someone who does and says whatever they want. They don't submit to anybody's authority. There isn't anybody that can speak into their life and help be a bumper to get them on the right track. They don't submit to anyone, and they seem to be able to gather followers. And so this issue of troublemakers being in your life and being in my life, it's not new. The Bible is very clear about it. The Bible's full of troublemakers. Nehemiah, he's doing this incredible thing. He's, he's trying to rebuild the walls of the city that have been destroyed by another nation. He's trying to rebuild the city itself, but yet constantly he has these troublemakers coming to him to try to get him to stop doing what he's doing. He had troublemakers. Daniel, he's trying to do his best to serve the king. He's helping the king lead at a better level but yet he has co-workers that stir up trauma and drama between him and the king, troublemakers. Jesus had troublemakers. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were always coming against Jesus. Jesus would do something incredible. He'd heal a person, and then the religious leaders would come to him and go, why would, why would you do that on a Sunday? That's against the rules. Troublemakers. The early church had troublemakers, heretics, false teachers, legalists, had people in the church that were sexually immoral and they would brag about it to other people in the church. People that would thrive on bringing disharmony to the body. So how do we respond to troublemakers? Well, if we look at the story of Moses in a, in a chapter of his leadership, we get a we get some good insight in how to deal with troublemakers that come into our lives. It says in Numbers chapter 12, verse number one, that Miriam and Aaron, they criticized Moses. Now, Moses is in this critical time of leadership. Israel is a newly formed nation at this point. They're just coming out of captivity from Egypt, and Miriam and Aaron are people of influence. Aaron is the high priest. I mean, he's the one that's, you know, between the, the people and God. And so he's the high priest. And then Miriam is a prophetess. It's talked about her in Exodus chapter 15. And she's a dynamic person. And people loved her and followed her leadership. She's a person of influence. Both her and Aaron are people of influence. But yet they're criticizing Moses. Do you know what makes it worse? Aaron is his brother, and Miriam is his sister. And they're stirring up all kinds of trouble for Moses. So interestingly enough, it says in, number, in Numbers 12, it says that they criticized Moses because he married a Cushite woman. And then they said, has the Lord uh, spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us as well? And then there is this section that's right there that's strategically placed in the text of Scripture. And it says these words, but the Lord heard them. 
which is a lot scary for them. So they're criticizing Moses, and the, the reason is because of the, the woman that he married. She's a Cushite. She's an Ethiopian. She's not Jewish. That was the presenting reason. But troublemakers always have a reason behind their reason, right? There's always a question behind their question. And I don't think the issue with who Moses married was really the issue. The issue was, I think, plain and simple, envy. He's not the only guy that God speaks to. Hasn't he spoken to us as well? They're envious of Moses' position. Why him? Why not us? He's our little brother. This isn't fair. Look what he gets to do. Look at how many people follow him and listen to him. Envy is this thing that can creep in, and it's different than jealousy. Jealousy doesn't want to lose what it has, okay? So we've all seen jealousy in play. It doesn't want to lose what it has. Envy wants what someone else has. A person can envy uh, another person's traits or their talents or their skills or their gifting or you can envy somebody's position or in culture today what's most prevalent is that people envy people's possessions. And so that envy creeps in and envy again is nothing new. It's the reason behind the first murder talked about in scripture where uh, it led Cain to kill Abel. Envy is the presenting issue. All of us have to deal with different spiritual bends and issues that come into our life. And the thing that I love about this is that God is very aware of them in their rebellion. And when troublemakers are coming against you and me, God is very aware. God heard, heard their criticism. God's very aware of the people that are coming against uh, Moses, and I'm confident that he was confronting them as they were on the path of rebellion, because that's how God operates. And God rose up to defend Moses, as God will rise up and defend you and I when troublemakers come into our lives. So it says in the text that immediately the Lord calls this powwow. He calls Moses, Aaron, and Miriam uh, to the tent, to the tabernacle. That's basically their church at that time. And then it said that the Lord descended in this uh, pillar of a cloud. Now, if the Lord comes down and wants to meet with you because you've been a troublemaker, it's just not good. You found your way into a bad space. He calls, he calls Aaron and Miriam forward. They step forward, and then he says, now listen to what I have to say to you. And he goes down, and he says, if there were prophets among you, I would reveal myself in visions. Because when you look at the book of the prophets, or the prophets in the text of Scripture, he would reveal himself in visions. Or it says that he would reveal himself through dreams. And then he goes, but not so with Moses. In other words, Moses is special. Moses has a special gifting. Moses has a special anointing. It's different with Moses than with everyone else. Of all of my house, he is, the, the Bible says, he is the one that God trusts. I speak to him, imagine this, face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. 
And so then God goes further and says, why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And then it says in the text of scripture that God is very angry with the two of them. Lesson number one, be very, very careful who you criticize. Lesson two is, is don't mess with whoever God chooses. Sometimes people will ask me to comment on TV preachers and what are my thoughts on them, and I avoid that as much as possible because I don't, I don't want to criticize who God chooses. God gets angry with Miriam and Aaron. God is so angry that he strikes Miriam with leprosy. Aaron, pretty smart guy, he sees Miriam get leprosy and he repents really quick. Like if you see your sister get leprosy, like you're gonna go on the apology tour really fast. And that's what, what Aaron does, being as smart and savvy as he is. And it kind of brings us back to this place of let's not be quick to judge or give in to envy. And it says, as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin was as white as snow from leprosy. And leprosy rots away the flesh. So these wounds would appear on her flesh. When Aaron saw this had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, oh my master. He goes further and he says, please don't punish us for the sin we have so foolishly committed. He repents. And what that tells us, if you and I know that we've been causing trouble, we've been foolish in our actions or our words, then we need to repent quickly. Because interestingly enough, it gives us a picture how, of how God responds to people who repent quickly, even if they're troublemakers. It says that God restores Aaron quickly because he repents quickly. We can see that in the text of Scripture. But yet there's Miriam that's in this situation. And we get a picture of Moses' character because Miriam has leprosy. And immediately, Moses doesn't turn to her and go, ah, you pretty much deserve that, good luck. Immediately, he starts crying out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord and he said, oh God, I beg you, please heal her. How do we handle things when people that we love wrong us? All that Moses wants is for her to be whole again. The Lord said to Moses, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? Wouldn't that make her impure? And wouldn't that, by law, make you put her outside of the camp for seven days? And God says to Moses, he says, so keep her outside of the camp for seven days, and after that, she may be accepted back. So how does God respond to troublemakers? Well, Aaron repents quickly, so he gets restored quickly. But with Miriam, it's a little bit different, and sometimes with troublemakers, this is where wisdom comes in. God creates space between Miriam and the people and then works through a process of restoration. So sometimes with troublemakers in our lives, there is a process that we have to walk through and there are boundaries that have to be established while a restorative process can do its work. It seems Miriam was the ringleader of this whole thing, and that's why she is judged more strictly. God puts her in a timeout, and sometimes some of us need space and time 
and distance for a course correction to take place. Sometimes distance gives needed perspective, and Miriam being outside of the camp might have given her needed perspective, and sometimes distance creates space for correction. And sometimes, and we pray all the time, sometimes distance brings even healing. So he tells us to be wise and gentle when we're dealing with troublemakers. That's what Jesus says. But the scripture also calls us to be firm and direct with people when needed. Now, this hasn't happened of late, but there have been occasions in my time here as pastor where I've had to tell people uh, that they don't need to attend here anymore. And they would look at me and they would go, are you really telling me I can't come here anymore? And I look at them and I say, I am telling you that you don't need to come here anymore. Why? Because you're a troublemaker. You can't come here and cause trouble. You can't come here and make it unsafe for other people to come here. Sometimes we need to be clear and direct. Do I wish them well? 100%. Do I wish the relationship would be restored? 100%. But sometimes there needs to be distance so that God can work. Sometimes there needs to be distance so there can be perspective. And sometimes even that distance can bring healing. Paul tells the church, he says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. That's why, that's why churches divide because stupid things come in, into play that divide them. And he's saying, don't let stupid things come into play that would divide you because these things are unprofitable and useless, he says in Titus 3.9. He says, warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Matthew 18 talks about you know, a great, great way to um, approach conflict when you have conflict with someone. Go to them, bring somebody with, them, with you. Bring the elders of the church. Get, get a process going. God heals. But he also works through a process. He quarantines Miriam for seven days. Miriam could have modeled servanthood without complaining. Instead, she stirs up conflict and negativity. Here's the thing to think about. There's no negativity in the presence of God. None. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and we come into his courts with what? Praise. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we come to his courts with praise. Some of us have carried this title of, well, I'm just being the devil's advocate. Why? Why would you be the devil's advocate? Like, why would those words come out? There's not gonna be any devil's advocates in heaven. Like, Let's not use that terminology. There's no negativity in the presence of the Lord. Let's draw people to Jesus because the joy of the Lord, it's our strength. Because we live such good lives that our, even our enemies have to be at peace with us. Let's not be bitter believers. Nobody wants to be around. Let's not be hard people to talk to. 
Miriam was kept outside of the camp for seven days and the people waited until she was brought back before they could travel. And another interesting note to that is sometimes we hold people back when we're causing trouble. So let's not be on the side of causing trouble. So how do we respond? God restores Aaron quickly because he repents quickly. God takes Miriam through a process. Let's be wise and gentle. Let's be wise enough to recognize true repentance. There is a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is, oops, sorry, feel bad about it. Repentance is, I feel terrible about that. I am sorry. I wronged you. I will not do that again. And it's a 180 degree turn. We come to God not because we feel sorry. We come to God with a spirit of repentance where we're not mistakers who need a savior, we're sinners who need a savior. And we need what Jesus did on the cross to be embraced in our life so that we can receive the mercy and the, gra and the grace that only God can give. Ask God to help you to be able to discern the difference between remorse and repentance. And let's be people who always leave the door of restoration open. Be wise, be gentle, be gentle enough to keep the door of restoration open because God can do anything. Paul says these, these words to a troubled church. He said, our prayer is that you may be fully restored. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind, he said. Live at peace. And the God of love will be at peace with you. And then he said these words later on in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, live such good lives that even though the pagans see you, that they accuse you, uh, that, they, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Listen, we are all NBTs, natural born troublemakers. But most of us, by the grace of God, have received the mercy and grace of God. Let's give that same grace and mercy to the people that we walk with on a daily basis. Let's make it our goal to give people the same grace that's been given to us. Some of us are carrying struggles right now with some really difficult troublemakers in our life. The last song that we're gonna sing is called Surrounded, and it's about how we fight our battles. And so if that's you, you're struggling with some troublemakers in your life, as we go into this next song, lift it up to the Lord and hand that situation over to him. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.